the word. So glad you're here. So glad you're joining us. We are here coming to you from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. And this is Wake Up the Word. Wow, that is a loud toilet. Uh, so glad you've joined us. And uh, we are coming into the home stretch of this uh Bible reading plan this quarter. We'll have the final quarter for 2023. I have it ready to go and I'll be emailing it out right after this episode. So for those of you who have signed up for the reading plan, the Bible reading plan, you can sign up for that at wakeuptotheword.org and you can... uh, Put your name in and your email address. There's a place for you to do that. And uh, there you can be on the list to get this email directly to you each quarter. We've got, we got more to go. we got a, at least a whole other year to go. And uh, so we have the next quarter up, the last quarter of 20, 2023. And uh, so your reading can continue so uh, we get some questions that have come up, and uh, they are from this reading. This is James E. digging in again. James coming up with his uh, his uh, questions, and he's listening and uh, uh, getting into the Word. And so we want to answer those questions. If you have questions, you can ask them too. Uh, James happens to be a friend of mine, and he has my uh, cell number, so he texted his questions to me, but you can email them to me at uh, sevenbarksdales at gmail.com, seven, the number seven, barksdales, my last name with an S, sevenbarksdales at gmail.com, and uh, we might set up a question uh, spot uh, for you. Also, there's some, uh, if you want to pick up a mug, a uh, Wake Up to the Word mug, like the one sitting out front over here, you can't see it very well, the one sitting out here, um, you can get one of those from the website you can let me know you want one and i'll send it to you there it is right there um so uh just let me know uh this this mug is uh, jeff's stack of stuff but uh we don't have that mug for sale it's, it's just the only one it's a unique mug it's a gift from jessica thank you very much and uh, we keep that right there so it's visible, and when we go to Jeff's stack of stuff, we do the reverb because it's an important stack. So, uh, all right, so I think that's uh, all we got. I don't think I have any other announcements. Uh, I think that's it. So, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> all right, let's head into the Word, our Bible reading for this week in the Old Testament, is 1 Samuel 12 uh, through 19. And there's a lot going on, some great stuff going in. Let me toss that aside because we only got one week left of reading, right? Oh, no, we have two weeks left of reading. Um, so uh, f- uh, Samuel chapter 12, Samuel says farewell. He's old. He's leaving his sons there. And he says farewell. First, he challenges them. Did I do anything wrong? Did I steal anything? Did I ever give you? And he's like, no. And then he gives them, he blasts them and says, uh, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals, the Baals and the Ashtaroth. And so they're following the false gods and uh, God is not pleased with that. And he lets them know. He's he's not, uh, 
he's not, uh, you know, they're going after the false gods. So uh, now we're coming up in uh, 13, uh, Saul fights the Philistines. So Saul lives for one year and then became king. So he was the, uh, there's a lot of confusing and doubling up on stories here. So you may have noticed that. And it's really just how the uh, scribe put this together and wrote it down, Samuel. And uh, and so as he, as he writes this, the, you're going to see some doubling up. And that, that just happens. It's, it's part of scripture, and as we get to First and Second Chronicles and First and Second Kings, you're going to see those parallel stories again. And so, and when we get to the Bible reading, we're just going to go back and forth, and you're going to hear a lot of the same stuff. So just get used to that. And as I teach, I'm going to try not to double up on the teaching, but pull out new information if I see it. So, um, uh, uh, so Saul uh, becomes king. He lives for a year, and then he goes after the Philistines, and uh, and he and he he separated some of his people, and so Saul chose three. Uh, became king, and when he had reigned for years, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 went with Saul in Michmash uh, and uh, the hill country of Bethel, and 2,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and that's his son, Jonathan. The rest of the people he sent home, every man. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and that, wa uh, that was at Geba, and so it was great. It was great uh, rejoicing. So, uh, as he, as he did that, uh, went throughout the land, um, uh, Saul's unlawful sacrifice. This is, is an important pivotal point right here because, um, uh, he's told to wait, uh, by Samuel and, he he uh, he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. This is verse 8 of chapter 13. Uh, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him, or scattering, excuse me, scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings, and, the offer, and, and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? Yeah, this is a, a solemn moment, and I'm sure that Saul was like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? And Saul said, Well, he tries to... I saw the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come, puts the blame on him, within, within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Mishmash, <laughs> Mikmash, <laughs> Mishmash. I guess you could say Mishmash. Um, and he said, "Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering." And Samuel said to Saul, "You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God." with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Make a note of that. That's important. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Notice we're back to prince. Uh, <clears throat> not king, prince. There's always that pre-period before you're the king. So he's appointed him to be the prince over, over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So uh, this is just a great picture that uh, 
what our, whatever our giftedness is, whatever our calling is, we should stay in that area. Uh, God's not called us to do this. He's not called us to do that. Try to stay in the area where God's called you, where God's gifted you. When you get out of those areas, you mess things up, okay? Now, this in particular was uh, uh, was not a uh, ministry type of thing, but it, it's a worship type of thing. And he's gone beyond his scope, and God was not pleased with it. I'm going to have to uh, uh, pause for a second, and I'll be right back. Okay, I might edit that. You may not even see it. So, uh, anyways, so uh, verse chapter fourteen, Jonathan defeats the Philistines. Um, uh, Jonathan sneaks into the camp with his armor bearer. There's a great statement of faith here that I want to say. And um, Jonathan said to the young man who is carrying his armor, "Come." Let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. That's the Philistines. They're not Jews. They're uncircumcised. Uh, it may be that the Lord will work for for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. What a great statement of faith uh, that he's going to go right over into the camp of the Philistines. And he's saying, uh, it doesn't matter if there's a lot of men there it doesn't matter if there's only a few men there uh, nothing can hinder the lord and they they knew the lord had called them in to do that so they go in there and they killed 20 men and uh there was confusion and an earthquake and all kinds of stuff happened and uh so saul had them bring the ark for the ark of the god uh, ark of god this is 18 uh of uh, chapter 14 so the ark of god went up at that time within the people of israel so saul makes a rash vow doesn't turn out well none of these things turn out well saul's not a good decision maker but he was tall and handsome so you know that's why we choose kings right that's why we choose presidents because they're good looking or because they look good on tv or they talk good on tv or whatever but uh so <laughs> Sorry about that. Saul fights Israel's enemies. Uh, and then the Lord rejects Saul. So um, that's 15. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get going there. And uh, our questions begin here at 15. So that's why I'm, I'm going here. And um, so uh, in verse 10, we have that famous, those famous words that we want to listen to all the time. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. Um, and he goes and he tells that to Saul and Samuel came to Saul and said to him blessed be you to the Lord I have performed the commands of the Lord and Samuel said what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest have devoted devoted to destruction and Samuel said to Saul 
stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he, and he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribe of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you promise? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? He just didn't, just doesn't do what he is told. Samuel gets the, wor the word of the Lord. Christ comes... Pre-incarnate Christ comes to Samuel, talks to him, tells him what he wants him to say. Samuel goes to Saul and tells him exactly what he's supposed to do, and he doesn't do it. And so uh, then we come to uh, one of the questions that James asked. Question number one in 1 Samuel 15.26. I got the questions over here, so... In First First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty six, the the term rejected the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord here represents Yahweh's commands and not Jesus Christ's presence. Is that right? So, um, so we look at uh, fifteen twenty six, and I'll do a run in. I'll start at twenty four. Uh, Saul said to Samuel, "I have sinned." Uh, Saul said to Samuel, "I have sinned, for I've transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words." Very key, right there. Your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I might bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, "I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord." And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So that's the question. You've rejected the word of the Lord. And so contextually, as you just go back a couple of verses, um, James said he he looked around at the differences. So that's a that's a good that's a good uh, process. Um, but he but if you just look at a few verses before, uh, uh, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and your words. Because I feared the people. So he feared the people, and he was thinking that Samuel was just giving him the information. So he rejected the word of the Lord. Yes, the word of the Lord that the, that Samuel conveyed to him. So good. Uh, that's a good conclusion. And as we say, the word of the Lord, as it is in verse 10 of chapter 15... Uh, is speaking more of the uh, pre-incarnate Christ appearing and having a conversation with Samuel, but Samuel's a prophet. It's not that he couldn't come to him as a king, because it does say that that happened earlier. Um, one of the earlier chapters, we talked that Samuel introduced him to the word of the Lord. Um, so uh, that that is possible. But this contextually seems to mean that he didn't do what Samuel told him to do. So... Uh, Good reading, good stuff looking out, um, and and there's a word of regret, uh, and the Lord, this is down at 35, and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So, interesting word there, uh, 
it's it's translated regretted. You might have the word repented in your translation, and I have uh, nakam, which is uh, the word the Hebrew word repent, uh, turned from. So, uh, and the Lord turned from or repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So uh, that's he's he's turning away from it. He's made he's 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 done. He's done with Saul being king. He's done blessing Saul as king. Oh, coffee of the week. This is the last of the Pete's dark roast coffee. Um, very good, but this is the last of it. We'll have new coffee coming in next week. I've just ordered some that I want to try from a local uh, coffee uh, uh, coffee. Not brewer roaster a local coffee roaster so we're going to try that local brand and we will report to you that's next week but we are still on pete's coffee and i do like pete's coffee i like it a lot so if you have never tried it give it a shot if you're a coffee connoisseur do your pete's coffee got my wake up to the word mug so um so 16 david uh david is anointed king the lord said to samuel how long will you grieve over saul since i have rejected him from being king over Israel. So basically he's saying like, okay, stop your grieving. We got to we got to get to the next. So all the way down to to 7 uh or 6. I'll go to 6. When when they came, he looked on uh Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. This is he's uh, gone to uh to uh, Jesse and he's bringing all his sons before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his pres his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinabad, Abinadab, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass by Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. <clears throat> and he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, and had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, but that made them happy. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So, good, good stuff there. you got the anointing of David. He becomes the prince. Uh, and very next verse, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And that brings us to our next question. I think. Yes. Uh, James E's second question uh, in 1 Samuel 16, 14b, is this an office assignment of the sons of God? 
or did Yahweh allow a demonic spirit to torment Saul? And excellent, excellent question. So I'll read the verse again. This is 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. So this is not the first mention. It's going to be mentioned again. Uh, this is not the only mention, I should say, of the of the harmful spirit. But uh, in order to, uh, I have another reference which we'll get to in next month. But I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, refer to it here. First Kings twenty two nineteen through twenty three. Let me get there. I didn't mark it. So First Kings twenty two. Almost there. There it is. And this is 19 through 23. Uh, and um, this is uh, uh, Micaiah. Therefore, the word of the Lord. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another thing. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. So this is a, a description of a divine council where one of the spirits of the Lord is given an assignment, and the divine council is allowed to offer suggestions and then God the Father commits that to happen. So why would God need a divine counsel of spirits? And that's the term used, spirits. Why would he need a divine counsel of spirits? And that's usually function. If you go to my word on Wednesday from last night, you'll see there is a distinction between uh, uh Name, the name, the hierarchy, and the function. And spirits are usually part of the function uh, of they're doing things, they're, they're ministering, or they are doing a task, they're messengers. So <clears throat> this is a harmful spirit that's sent, and that was a lying spirit in First Kings. So here's, here's what it appears that happens. When God wants to do something that directs somebody that is more of a, a negative uh, or against his character, his holiness. He uses the counsel of spirits, uses the, 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 son, the hosts uh, that, that go to him. So is it the sons of God? It, it could be the sons of God. In 1 Kings, it, it makes that illusion uh, in 22, you see that um, reference. He says the, uh, what's the term that he uses? Um, uh, standing alongside, 
all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right and his left. And the Lord said, who will entice? So we got hosts of heaven, which is one of those terms, sons of God, hosts, heavenly hosts. So <clears throat> heavenly ones, those are all terms uh, that are for the... Um, the divine council. So uh, are you wrong by asking if it's sons of God? It's not termed that way, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, negate it totally. Okay. Great question. Most people don't dig in that deep. Love the question. Hope you all saw it. I hope our ancient Hebrew eyes are picking up on these things that now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, but he did get a harmful spirit. That's going to kind of torment him. All right, now we're coming up on David and Goliath. Um, so uh, we all know this story, but the description of Goliath is he comes forward. Uh, he's taunting. The, the, the Philistines come up <clears throat> armed for battle. They set up their camp, and they're taunting them. And the Philistines stood on the mountain uh, uh, on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them, and there came out from the camps of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Boy, I haven't seen someone standing six cubits in a span, and I can't tell you how long. Uh, he had a helmet of bronze. Oh, sorry. So, do we, do we need a, uh, sorry, not funny. Okay. So, uh, uh, he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, so it's like a mailman. And and the, <laughs> the uh, shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. Now, iron shekels are different than silver shekels, and that was something I didn't know because it looked like, holy cow, the thing's going to weigh like, uh, you know, 150 pounds if it's a, 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 a silver shekel, but it's not. It's an iron shekel, and so the spearhead, but the spearhead did weigh 15 pounds. That's a lot. So a gallon of milk is eight pounds. So essentially, the, the end of his spear weighed about the same weight as two gallons of milk. So pick that up, and that's the spearhead. So, and it's estimated that Goliath, uh, the six cubits in a span, nine feet nine inches tall. Your Bibles may do the translation for you. Uh, nine feet nine, so nearly ten feet tall. That's his height of a basketball hoop. Um, with the afro, he was probably you know well over uh, ten feet. Um, that's a Fletch joke, so you probably don't get it. So. <laughs> All right, some of you got it. Okay, good. So, um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, with his helmet, he's sure well over 10 feet tall and uh, just standing there ominously taunting them. And he was uh, a, a remnant of the Nephilim. And that's so understanding that is he is proportionate to 10 feet tall. And how I like to describe this is <clears throat> uh, you, most of everyone knows who Shaquille O'Neal is. Shaquille O'Neal is this gigantic basketball player, seven feet something in the nba so two feet shorter than uh two feet shorter than than goliath full two feet uh nearly three probably uh, i don't know how tall Shaq is but i mean i could find out uh, but he's over seven feet um Shaq is enormous but Shaq is proportioned 
to the normal size of a man. So like me, I, I'm proportioned for 5'9". That's how tall I am. So Shaq's about two feet taller than me. But if you saw Shaq standing there and he was at a distance, you'd say, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a man over there. But as, as you get closer to Shaq, you see, oh, that's a big man. Because he's proportioned to his height as a normal stature man. He's not tall and thin and lanky. He's big and he's, he's proportioned and weighing like 400 pounds to my 200 pounds. He's just, he's ginormous. Um, Goliath is two more feet taller than that. So it's like me standing next to Shaq is like Shaq standing next to Goliath. This is a big, gigantic man, and he's proportioned, and he is a soldier. Uh, so he is ready for battle. He's not easily defeated. And we know the account, as it says, David comes and puts uh, Saul puts his armor on him. It doesn't fit him. He doesn't like it. He puts it aside. Why does he put it aside? We don't fight battles with other people's armor. God has armed us to be who we are. That's the armor we need to put on. Not the armor that other people wear. We need to fight the battles the way God has armed us. The way God has put us together. That's how we fight our battles. Okay, um, We have giftedness. Uh, we have fruit of the Spirit. We have the, our, our talents and abilities. Uh, this is how we fight our battles. The, uh, other people's armor doesn't fit our armor. Don't try and wear other people's armor. But he goes into battle with his gifts, his abilities, his comfort. And he declares from the Lord that this is, this is how he's going to fight the battle. I thought I had underlined some things here from the banter back and forth. Um... Yeah, there's a little banter back and forth. I'll go to uh, chapter 17, uh, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me. Oh, first the Philistine, and this is 43. Sorry, I, I jumped down. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So he's worshiping a whole nother set of gods, a whole nother set of Elohim. And that is the word, Elohim. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, this is verse 45 of chapter 17, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, with you have, which you have, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I, he doesn't even have a sword in his hand. And he, this is what he said. I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with swords and spears for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. <clears throat> then we uh, pop down to 49. David put in his hand on his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell 
on his face to the ground. And David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out, took the Philistine's sword, drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And then David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And that brings us to question number three of James. Question number three. And the purpose of David putting Goliath's armor in his tent. Why Why did he do that? Uh, you know, a trophy, uh, a uh, reminder of the greatness of God, uh, because the armor must have been huge. So he took the armor and, and brought it, put it in his tent, just to say, this is how great God is, that I was able to kill him. Many people note that David took five stones, and uh, it's noted throughout Scripture. The theory on that is uh, it's noted in Scripture that Goliath had five, four brothers. So he took five stones, so he had one for each of them. He's pretty sure of his aim, or he's pretty sure of God's hand on his aim. So that's cool stuff. So um, then we get to David and Jonathan and their friendship, and uh, David gets married to uh, Saul's daughter, uh, and uh, Saul wants to, he gets jealous of David like crazy. He starts to hate him. That's what jealousy does. And he says, well, before you marry my daughter, you need to get me the foreskins of a hundred Philistines. He says, surely he can't get kill a hundred Philistines on his own. And he gets his men together and he goes and kills 200 Philistines. And he drops the foreskins in front of Saul and he marries his daughter. And uh, she loved David very much, and she would rat out her dad whenever he was trying to get David. And that how, how it kind of ends um, is that uh, she tells David he's trying to get him. David fled and escaped. This is at the end of 19. And um, uh, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul. And so as they go out to try to find David, and the messengers keep getting the Spirit of God coming on them, and they prophesy. They get to, uh, uh, they speak uh, the word of the Lord through the Holy Spirit, and that keeps happening. And then it actually <coughs> happens to Saul. Um, so, and the Spirit of God came upon him also, uh, let me, let me see that uh, down. Where am I going? Um, then he himself went to Ramon, came to the great great well at, at Saku, and uh, he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And the one said, Behold, they are at uh, uh, Naoth in Ramah. And he went to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And he went and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he, he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, lay naked all day and all that night. Thus, it is said, is Saul also among the prophets. And that's where we'll leave our friends until next week. We're so glad you've joined us here at Wake Up to the Word, Old Testament Thursday. We are glad you joined us. We are We'll be back tomorrow with New Testament, New Testament Friday, where we'll be talking through Sean 14 and 15. Can't wait to do it. We'll see you then. Love you guys. Stay in the word. Come on out this weekend. 
Life Coast Church. Pastor Brian's bringing our next message in the Hebrew series. See you then.